Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I am your host, as always, Stan McCune. Uh, I am, of course, a realtor here in Greenville, South Carolina. If you've listened to any episodes, you already know that. I represent buyers, I represent sellers, I represent investors, I represent owner-occupants, and everything in between. So if you have any real estate needs, just let me know my contact information. I always try to remember to put in the show notes. If you don't have my contact information, you can look it up there. Uh, And just a reminder, as always, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if you like it. Uh, Make sure you don't miss any episodes. Uh, Downloading the show helps us in the algorithm subscribing to it, uh, and of course, rating and reviewing it. I want to get more ratings, more reviews to encourage me to keep uh, pressing forward with this show, which uh, I think that everyone uh, benefits from it, hopefully. That uh, That is the hope. That is the thinking. We're trying to educate the market on Greenville as a whole. Uh, and trying to make sure that people understand what local real estate is like. And I get a lot of positive feedback from a lot of people. Uh, but make sure that, that feedback isn't just told to me. Make sure that feedback comes through on the, the ratings and the reviews of the show itself. Now, today we are going to be doing a little bit of a, of a part two on Greenville's uh, housing affordability crisis. Um, we did an episode on this last year. And... There is some worthwhile data to consider uh, for a second episode, I think. I don't plan for this to be a very long episode, since it's a topic we've discussed a little bit before, but I think it is worthwhile to consider. Um, Let's start uh, by looking back a couple of months. Let's start with an astonishing stat. We know that housing affordability is uh, directly correlated to a few things. More than anything it is correlated to supply and demand. So when, uh, as we've discussed many times before, when the demand outpaces the supply for houses, when there are more buyers than there are sellers and prices go up and the number of houses, what we call inventory, houses that are available for sale, that number then uh, goes way down. And so what we saw, so... In Greenville, we have, uh, you know, the Greenville Association of Realtors tracks uh, what's happening in the market, but sometimes it takes a couple of months uh, for their statistics to, uh, you know, really be accurate. So I tend to wait a couple of months before I uh, start uh, saying what those statistics are, but rest assured, none of the numbers are favorable for housing affordability. Um, If we go back to November, December of 2020, um, and then, you know, January, which January numbers might change a little bit, but we're looking at median sales prices up uh, between 10% and 15, uh, well, te- between 10.3% and 15.7% uh, the past three months, uh, year on year, okay? So like November of 2020 was up 13% from November of uh, 2019, Uh, So that's crazy. You know, uh, we talk about the stock market, how much you should expect to get from the stock market year on year. For most people, they would be thrilled if they get, you know, 13% year on year of any investment. Um, Well, real estate wise, we are seeing those types of numbers happening around here. And I don't expect that pace on a meta level to to hold up. Um, But 
that is uh, what we're seeing happening right now. So as far as the housing affordability index, we talked about this uh, again last year, but it dipped below 100 for the first time uh, last year. And what that means is uh, that the housing affordability index, it measures uh, affordability by region uh, by looking at the median household income and then what is necessary to qualify for a median priced home under prevailing interest rates. And so uh, here's what that means. Basically, 100 means that uh, the median household income is 100% of what is necessary to qualify for the median priced home. In other words, 100 is we're barely hanging on. The median household income is barely able to afford the median priced home. Last year, we dipped below 100 for the first time. Um, According to the numbers the GGAR published recently for January, January, it finally, it went back up to 100. It had been in the high 90s uh, to end 2020. January went back up to 100, um, but that's honestly not a positive thing. That's not something I'm celebrating because that's actually the biggest decline year on year uh, that we've seen. If, if that ends up being accurate, you know, like I said, they, they will adjust this data in future months. Um, but the housing affordability index in January of 2020 was 115. Now it's 100. That's a 13% drop. Um, in the past 12 months, that number has dropped 7.9%. Um, so January of 2021, it's looking like housing affordability uh, decreased by 13% year on year. That's that's obviously not good. Um, inventory, this is even more, honestly, more astonishing. We've been talking about how, you know, inventory in, uh, we, we look at months inventory, and when it's in the threes, that's like a crazy buyer's market. Well, it's been in the twos since COVID, basically. Um, and a lot of that has to do, we've talked about in the past with interest rates, mortgage interest rates being low. Um, in December, according to the GGAR, that went down to 1.9 months. I mean, I did not think I would ever in my lifetime see it in the ones. Um, it's nuts. It is absolutely nuts. Again, when month supply of inventory gets low like that, that impacts housing affordability. Um, and it just makes it very difficult to buy. Obviously, it's a great time to buy. Like I said, interest rates are so low, and they're probably never going to go this low again. Um, at least historically, it w- we would be surprised if it went this low again, right? Um, but uh, at the same time, it's it's just such a difficult time to buy. You have to you have to to be ready. Okay, there's going to be bidding wars, right? I'm I'm hearing people. I'm hearing other agents and experiencing it myself, other agents that are saying, um, I had clients that put eight offers above list price on various homes, and finally the eighth one they got. I mean, that's crazy. That is frustrating for everyone. Um, it's, it's me as an agent, it means a lot of work uh, that I have to do for my buyer clients. And, you know, I, I, we all have to just kind of endure the market when it's like this. Obviously, if you're just selling um, and and you don't have to buy, well, it's a great market to do that. If you're an investor looking to potentially sell properties, this is the time to do it. Um, you you have an opportunity here 
where there's just nothing available that you can sell in ways that you haven't been able to in the past. Um, and so that's something uh, for sure that that needs to be considered. But the Greenville Journal took this housing affordability uh, conversation to the next level by talking about uh, developers that are specifically focused on affordable housing. So the last time we talked about this in, in what we'll call now our part one episode on the housing affordability crisis, we talked about how really, among other things, one of the main things is we just need builders to build more houses. That has a ripple effect. When when there's more new construction that's out there, people that uh, are maybe in the first home that they bought and are looking to make their next move, they're very likely to consider new construction. And by the way, if you're looking at new construction, consider using a realtor rather than using the builder's realtor. Having your own realtor will help you in a variety of ways. One, it just gives you that layer between the builder and you, someone that can advocate for you. But a good realtor can also uh, push for the builder to do different things, can also help you to understand what you need to inspect and what you need to consider as you go through that process. Um, So keep that in mind, by the way, if you're in that bucket of potentially looking at new construction. but as uh, people are moving out of their, their first home, their starter home, and con- if new construction is out there, a lot of them will, will buy that new construction, and then that puts their home back on the market. And so that helps housing affordability in a variety of ways. Um, so we talked about that in the past. But there's also a segment of, of specifically affordable housing. I say that in quotes, air quotes. Affordable housing. These are developers that are specifically building for below the market for a specific uh, demographic. And, and I don't mean that in, a, uh, in an identity politics type of way. I mean that specifically from a financial perspective, a demographic that normally is unable to afford uh, home ownership or at least home ownership that they need. Um, there are developers that, that are attempting to build homes for those people in order to help them get out of this constant cycle of renting and to be able to finally purchase that first home. And it's very great if they can finally purchase that first home um, and it's new construction. You know, that's that's a best case scenario. Now it's going to be builder grade. Everything's going to be builder grade. Um, it's not going to be anything fancy, but it allows people to break a cycle and to be able to finally pierce through some of the... Uh, economic restraints that they that they may have had uh, due to being unable to uh, get out of a cycle of just going from one rental to another. So the Greenville Journal published uh, this article. It says, uh, the title of the article is kind of wordy, uh, but it's Greenville has trouble finding suitable residents for affordable housing units despite widespread need. Um, and, and that's a little bit of a misleading title. Um, but it gets into a lot of interesting aspects of, of this other concept of affordable housing, which is actually trying to build for people that, that need affordable, uh, affordable types of, of construction below what the market is, um, which is going to be increasingly more and more prevalent. So uh, an analysis that the Greenville Journal uh, linked to that was conducted by uh, the Greenville Housing Fund... Uh, the Greenville County Redevelopment Authority and Thomas P. Miller Associates 
it found that we're approximately 12,000 units short to meet uh, demand with 35,000 residents earning less than $30,513 per year, which is the wage needed to afford rent on an average two-bedroom house in the county. So we need 12,000 units more, 12,000 in theory houses, but could be townhomes too, I I believe, uh, 12,000 units short. Um, And additionally, I found this very interesting. Greenville, it was in the top 10 metro areas that experienced the most growth for cost-burdened rental households. Now, we've talked about that before. That is disproportionately bad to rent in Greenville versus buying. There are are, uh, other episodes on the podcast where I discuss that, where I actually broke it down, how the same house that you're renting for $1,700 you could purchase and have a minimal down payment and your mortgage would be several hundred dollars. Your mortgage and utilities and everything would be several hundred dollars less than that per month. Um, But again, it's tricky to break the cycle because it's easier, you know, if you've got a credit score of 600, there's probably going to be someone out there that's willing to rent to you. Whereas if you've got a credit score of 600, particularly during COVID, um, it's difficult to get financing. That is the reality of the situation. And so um, here's what ends up happening with these affordable builds that are that they're trying to uh, add to the market is it's it's kind of a vicious cycle of the the developers, the builders building these homes, they get a hodgepodge of funding from all sorts of uh, different groups, the federal government, the county government, the city government, advocacy groups, banks, and maybe even the developers themselves. I'm, I'm taking this straight out of the Greenville Journal article, um, th- that exact language. They're, they're getting help from a lot of different places because obviously the only way to build affordable housing is if you cut costs in some way. Well, you don't want to cut costs and make, make the house not sturdy or or not sound or poor quality so they need help government assistance charitable assistance whatever the case may be um but the layer on top of that that makes this extremely difficult is that what is required by a lot of these groups is that they um actually have before they start building a pre-qualified person that is that fits the parameters of this demographic that they are looking for that financially uh, needs to to be able to get affordable housing. They need that person to already be teed up prior to them starting construction on the home. And it's a it's a vicious cycle because those people uh, that are out there, they might it might take a lot of work for them to become credit worthy to be able to to get the type of financing they need. But then, uh, and additionally, there's no homes out there. By the time they finally get credit worthy, now they can potentially link up with one of these uh, communities to be able to potentially uh, get you know a property under contract that hasn't been built yet. Well, now it's got to be built. And that might take several months or may- maybe a year. And while that's happening, these people are are still renting. And so 
it ends up being this vicious cycle. And what's happening is that we're just not having a lot of affordable housing being built in the area. And and I really encourage, um, again, as much as possible, our, our state, our county, our local officials to cut out as much red tape as possible. The, uh, the Greenville Journal kind of references this in passing um, that, you know, there's all sorts of, of, uh, of aspects that are involved here. And there's just a lot of red tape at the end of the day, and it ends up hurting everyone. And so uh, we need to, that's something as a community, we need to get together. Um, I am uh, a part of some things as a realtor, uh, a, a few different community, a, a few different uh, committees, rather, where we try to assist with this, with with affordable housing, and, and try to promote that sentiment among government leaders and among other people, because a lot of people don't understand how this works. They just think, um, oh, affordable housing, that just means that uh, people need to stop artificially inflating prices, and landlords need to drop their rent, and all of these things, but there's a whole lot more that goes into this that that doesn't meet the eye. And a lot of it comes down to, honestly, uh, just too many cooks in the kitchen at the end of the day. And so we have 12,000 units that need to be built. And that number is probably going to keep increasing every month. Um, hopefully, I'm, I'm very hopeful that as uh, COVID starts to hopefully ease off, as things get more open, um, Theoretically, interest rates will go up, which is, uh, you know, it's a positive and a negative. As mortgage rates go up, um, that means that there will be, uh, you know, fewer people buying. But at the same time, that should mean that our inventory levels uh, become a little bit more buyer friendly. It's not going to flip to a seller's market anytime soon outside of something major happening like a war. Um, as, as I, uh, mentioned, I believe last episode, but we have, uh, a need for at least it to move a little bit more towards the seller and it will still, or sorry, towards, uh, I think I said before seller's market, we need it to move at least a little bit more towards being a buyer's market to balance it out because it's been so much of a seller's market, uh, for, so long. I wonder how many times I've mentioned in this podcast buyer's market when I meant seller's market. It's a seller's market. All right. If I said anything about it being a buyer's market, listen, it's not been a buyer's market for like a decade. Um, so uh, so anything that I said before, disregard that. I am not re-recording this podcast. This is one of my busiest weeks of the year. And uh, I'm just trying to squeeze this in right now, to be completely honest. Um, but that is the problem. There are more questions than answers when it comes to this. Um, But if you guys have any thoughts or any ideas or any questions about this, as you know, my contact information is in the show notes, just like it always is. Please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'd be happy to just chat about this. Or if you or someone you know is looking to buy or sell uh, real estate, let me know that as well, of course. That is, uh, that's how I actually make money. I don't make money on this podcast. I make money uh, as a realtor, as an investor. Those are the things that I do. Um, and as always, please, if you love the podcast, subscribe, download, rate, review, do all those cool things. Until next time, stay safe and let's buy and sell some houses together. 